Welcome to the Southwest Virginia Hoops Podcast with your host, Travis Byers, co-host Shane Presley, your production team, Chris Booby Tiller and Haley Byers. So sit back and relax for some of the greatest basketball stories in Southwest Virginia. It's the Southwest Virginia Hoops Podcast coming at you now. Today's podcast is sponsored by the Abingdon General Store. It is located at 252 West Main Street in Abingdon. It was voted the best gift store in the town. Enjoy a glimpse of the past with old-fashioned candies and drinks and find gifts for any occasion. Check them out on Facebook and they hope to see you soon. Again, I want to thank Steve Matney and the Abingdon General Store for this sponsorship. Uh, I know from a personal experience, me and my family, we love going in there. It's a really cool little store. Um, as I already spoke about, they do have those cool candies. And the thing that my my little ones like the most is the uh, old-fashioned sodas with the pop top. And uh, they love the orange cream sodas when we go in there. So if you haven't checked it out, make sure you do. Again, thanks to the Abingdon General Store. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Southwest Virginia Hoops podcast. This is Travis Byers. We are here on episode 12. I uh, have my co-host today. Shane Presley. Yep. So uh, episode 11 was excellent. It was one of my most anticipated guests. As I said uh, on it, it was a, a main motivation of even starting the podcast was those days that Brad Knuckles and the 01 council team, 02 council team that they provided um, the whole area. Shane, what you, do you think about it? Uh, I thought it was an excellent episode. I think Brad really, really – Went in great, great detail on his entire career. I even learned a lot of things I didn't know about him. So it was definitely a good listen. You know, yeah, if you haven't listened to it, um, you know, that's something that I think has been so cool. I was talking to Coach Williams here as he came in today that is unique about the podcast is all these older episodes, they just keep growing and growing and growing and listens because different areas find out about it and go back and listen. So, you know, if any of you – Abingdon, uh, Norton Castle, when people listen to Coach Williams, uh, make sure you go back and check out all these other episodes. Uh, you know, with Coach Williams today, I'm sure we're going to get into talking about stories that's been spoke about on previous podcasts. So make sure you go back and check check all them out. But anyway, uh, today we we do have another great guest on, Coach Williams. I think uh, as highly of him um, as a coach uh, in Southwest Virginia as I do of anybody. You know, if you're going to hire someone to try to uh, turn a program around or keep a program going, um, I wouldn't look any farther uh, than than him. He's been around, you know, probably more than about any guest that we've had, truly. Uh, uh, he's one of the first guests, I think, actually, Shane, that didn't grow up in no. Southwest Virginia. So that's going to be something unique to hear about. And, you know, he's been at three schools in Southwest Virginia, and all three have led to great successes. Um both from the entire program standpoint and uh, wins and loss records too. So, uh, but without any further ado, uh, Abingdon head coach, Coach Williams, welcome to the show. Uh, appreciate it, Travis. Looking forward to this. I've enjoyed the, like all the other guests said, to, to learn uh, colleagues and competitors at a, at a, at a deeper level and, uh, and have listened. I think you're doing a great thing here to bring this uh, – basketball community together and and to uh, promote the game of basketball in southwest virginia yeah yeah well, i appreciate the kind words you know it's definitely been fun and 
you know, look forward to every single guest that comes on. So, um, you know, for Brad, for example, he drove two hours to get here. You're not that far away, right? Nine minutes. Yeah, nine, nine minutes. minutes. Yeah, you good. do live in Abingdon. I do live in Abingdon. Yeah. Uh, 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 I told my wife, no more. We're not, we're not changing anywhere. She said, I don't believe you, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Abingdon is a, a good community, a uh, great community to live in and, uh, and, and uh, a lot of possibilities here and uh, yep. glad to be here. Yep. So, uh, you know, season, uh, I know you've, you know, we'll talk more uh, detail about it uh, towards the end, but I know you've, had some ups and downs, you know, had some injuries and, and sickness and different things, just like everybody has, I guess. So. Yeah, we, we were watching some uh, game film uh, last Friday for an upcoming opponent and looked on the floor of the kids that we had last year, and none of those kids were back, and uh, that wasn't by design. Uh, you know, we've always tried to, to bring kids along that we thought needed to get experience and, and give them some opportunities and preparation for the next year, and uh, – uh, we've, we've got a young, young team. Uh, Haynes Carter has been a good leader for us. Uh, he's a senior and played a lot last year, but other than that, we got a brand new team, yeah. but we, and we, and in anticipation that you set your schedule up to get ready. And we've, we've, we gave ourselves a, a pretty challenging schedule, yeah. but at this time we're, we're 10 and six. And, uh, the thing I like about now, is the kids that we have, they really seem to be coming together and learning and growing. And so when you, when you have an experienced team, you, you see a lot of growth. And so that's been, uh, uh, been good to see, but, uh, I think we're, we're getting better and I think we've got a long way to go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I told everybody on Brad's podcast when we put it out, I had to postpone, um, a couple podcasts due to me having COVID. And, uh, one thing that was, uh, Right at you were actually supposed to come, I think, the day after you got ejected uh, earlier in the year. That had to be a you know, was that your first time ever? You no, that, that might have been about number five, no. but <laughs> first time it happened in the oh, second yeah. go round. So, yeah. uh, but I forgot about those other ones. <laughs> Hopefully, everybody else has too. Yeah, yeah. So, coach, I know you, you know, you said you've been a listener to the podcast, but kind of how we do things and uh. Just go back in chronological order and just learn a little bit about you growing up. And as I spoke about previously, yours will be pretty unique just because you grew up in a basketball hotbed, uh, even more so than in southwest Virginia. Um, tell everybody just a little bit about what year you were born and where you grew up at. Okay, I was born in 1969, but the, the game, uh, I'm the youngest of four kids. And so uh, the, uh, I didn't realize it. I didn't realize it at the time. But what a, as far as the game of basketball, I was I was raised and really you got you think of Indiana, you think of high school basketball. Yeah. And but I was raised in kind of the hotbed of Indiana, in which there was two conferences, the North Central Conference. And you got arenas like when I was in high school, we played in Chrysler Fieldhouse in Newcastle that seats ninety three hundred. Uh Muncie Central, the field house seated about 7,000. Richmond seated about 6,500. I know those names probably don't mean a lot to your listeners, but those uh, out, of, out of the top 16 high school arenas uh, capacity, 15 were in Indiana. Really? Yeah, and, and it wasn't empty seats either. I mean, yeah. it was packed. Ours were was those a, gyms built like 
like that old like Hinkle Fieldhouse, for yes. example. Like it's just got an old school yes. feel to it. They were at that time, but there were some new ones coming. So my school where I went to was a was a rural school that was five small schools and 75 became a big school, but we were a rural community that went and played in the city a lot. And so we played the Anderson Wigwam was a great uh, venue that seats about 8,000 and I've played there and it was packed. Are a lot of these places still, uh, Uh, yes, because there's so much tradition, they they keep them, you know, and there's some, there's some fights, city council, political type fights about them. But um, ours was one of the smaller ones, and we, we seated 4,500. <laughs> and there was times it was packed. My senior year, we had a really good team, and, and it was packed every night. Yeah. And, uh, and so um, I, the, the opportunity that I had as, as a player growing up was just unbelievable now as I look back. Now, I'll say this. Uh, uh, playing at Rye Cove, in a meaningful game when it's packed is no different. I yeah. mean, if a packed gym, just there's an atmosphere. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's, it's not, it's not really the size because when you're playing, you're playing, uh, between the lines. Yeah. And so, uh, just the excitement and the enthusiasm was there. It's why I became a math teacher. When I became a math teacher is because the average length of a coach was three years and you got fired. So there was two <laughs> kind of coaches. Yeah. Then that was, fired or have been fired that we're going to get fired. So you got a math teaching job yeah. so that you could always get relocate and get yeah. another job. So in Indiana, all the high school coaches were math teachers. Yeah. Um, but, but I had a, I had a great experience. Um, uh, I had a, I had a really good uh, elementary. Uh, I was, I was, uh, I really liked uh, Patrick Wade's uh, youth coach that if, if your man scored on you, <laughs> He took you out. That's not a bad philosophy, yeah. I'm not sure. But I had a great coach uh, when in about fifth or sixth grade, and it was ran through the schools. It wasn't – there was no travel ball. Our, our sixth grade teacher was our coach, but he knew the game, and he taught us fundamentals. I mean, if he let us scrimmage, it was like we got to eat cake that day. Yeah. I mean, we just never hardly scrimmaged. We just – we worked on screen, how to roll off a screen, how to – how to set a screen. We worked on all the fundamentals. So how far is this uh, plate uh, in Indiana? How far is it away from like Indianapolis? I was, well, Indianapolis is in the center of the, in the center of the state. So everything's about two hours from Indianapolis, but we were near Muncie, okay. which is ball state. So at the time I was in high school, Rick Majerus was the coach at ball state. We used to see Majerus recruited one of my teammates and he went there and, uh, but uh, there's some funny stuff about Majerus. He was, he was actually, uh, he, he, Majerus lived in a hotel. So Majerus, he lived in a hotel in Indianapolis and, but he went with uh, an instructional aide at my high school. So I got the, <laughs> Majerus was somebody I kind of, but oh, we he dated her. Yes. He dated her. So when I was, a, when I was a junior and a senior, sophomore, junior, senior, when we started to be able to drive, Muncie was about 40 minutes away. We would go to Ball State on Sundays and regionally play all the good players. So we had a place that we all met. And Majerus was always there. Uh, I remember him coming in. He was like a Division One coach, but he'd come in and in Hawaiian shorts and long T-shirts. And, <laughs> was he as big then? Yes, and he had flip-flops, and he was drinking a, whatever he had, whatever beverage he had. It was, and, and, but he was a, a funny guy, but a great coach. Yeah. He was a great coach, and uh, 
If you ever read a book, My Life on a Napkin, that's the biography of Rick Majerus. It's, it's a good read. Yeah. But uh, he was there. Bobby Knight was the god of basketball, and I learned a lot. But but back to my, my elementary uh, coach, he – I mean, I, we did a drill. And I tell people about it some, how much things has changed. Uh, we had an old mattress at the end of our gym. And the, and the wall was right there after the mattress? gym. Like, it was the cushion. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, but it, 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 was, was, a mattress? it was probably yeah, a big mattress. mattress. Yeah. It looked like a big mattress. Yeah. And he, he, would, he would teach us not to be afraid. Like if we were going to attack the rim, don't be afraid of hitting the wall. So he would, we had a drill. We called it run into the wall drill. So he'd line us up at the free throw line, blow his whistle, and we sprinted and ran into the wall. <laughs> and that's what we did. But, you know, everybody thinks, that's crazy. Yeah. But we weren't afraid of hitting that wall. So I mean, on the away games, the mattress wasn't there. No, <laughs> we, we weren't afraid of, yeah. you know, contact. I mean, it was uh, – and we learned that at a, at a young age. But he really taught us – when I went on and played in college, there were things that I knew from Coach Taylor that uh, some of my teammates were like, what did you learn – how did you learn how to roll off a screen? Just certain little yeah. little nuances of the game. I think, you know, and I know you, I, I would assume that you probably agree with this, but I feel like definitely back in those days, you learned fundamentals more than what kids are overall nowadays. It was it was about the development of the game. And yeah. so um, so even with, with Coach Knight being – so I was raised in like 76, they went undefeated. In 81, they won a national championship. And Sunday afternoon, watching Coach Knight's TV show, it was really, you talk about reality TV. That was reality <laughs> TV. And he, so he had a show that came on in Indiana. Yes, and Sundays. And on Sunday mornings, you get your church and yeah. you're on the same day. It became a part of kind of the fabric of who you are, like you honor the game. Yeah. Like you honor this game. I've seen Knight one time. He had one All-American and not a lot of anybody else. And they were playing at Michigan in a big game. And in the first possession of the game, his, his name was A.J. Guyton. Guyton closes out on a shooter, uh, takes a shot in a corner. He closes out on a shooter and fouls him. Knight takes him out and he didn't get back on the court for the next 39 minutes. He never got back in. <laughs> it's like you don't commit that card. You don't foul a jump shooter. That's a cardinal sin in basketball. Yeah. And in spite of the winning and losing, that was the brilliance of Knight. He honored the game. It's like this is how you play the game of basketball. And there wasn't a lot of variation to that. <laughs> now, I mean, he had – you got individual talents, but – I learned that at a young age, like this is how you play the game. And there are certain things I had, we had a game yesterday and we were in a position where we were up about 10 with, with three minutes to go. So we were, you know, we were playing against time more than we were the score. And so offensively we we're taking some time, but I like to tell them on defense, don't foul. We, we want to keep the clock running. Don't foul, stay under control, stay on your feet. I had a kid foul with, uh, with, 0.8 seconds to go. And it was a 10-point game. We, it didn't matter. But I was like, it, like in my mind, I think, I got to take him out. So I took him out with 0.8 seconds and said, don't ever foul. <laughs> He's like, well, coach, it don't matter. I don't know what it done to him. Yeah. But to me, you don't do that when you play basketball. Yeah. And so those convictions are strong, and they were from when I was a kid. Yeah. And I think that's where that was really bred in me. And uh, it's kind of – 
it just becomes who you are. Yeah, you know, that's that's interesting. You know, like with Bobby now, like I'm sure growing up, I mean, he was just like like you spoke about, just kind of like an idol to all kids growing up in Indiana, right? I mean, this he was an idol to the the state that liked Indiana, not to the Purdue fans. They yeah, didn't hate true, it. Yeah. Now there was there was people that hated Bobby Knight. <laughs> yeah. But the, and there was people that loved Bobby Knight, and there wasn't a lot in between. Yeah, you know that, he true. was that kind of a guy. Yeah. Um, so you you know you spoke a little bit about your high school career. So um, what type of player were you, and you know like what type of team successes did you have? And- um, I played I, I, I played point guard through uh, fifth and sixth grade, and I was always fortunate. I always had good teammates, and we always won. And so I think to me, it's always been about winning. That's the bullseye. And when I was in middle school in seventh and eighth grade and seventh grade, I think we went 15 and 0 and in eighth grade, we went 14 and 0. And then as a freshman, so I went to a pretty big school. I wasn't a great athlete, but in my freshman year, when I went to high school, uh, I didn't get to play varsity. I didn't get to play JV. We had, I had to play on the freshman team. We went 16 and three. And I remember watching the JV and varsity practice, just being at the door, just wanting to be in there. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be in there. And I, kids now get opportunities. We really didn't get them. Yeah. Totally like, different. Yeah. It's like, man, I, I wanted to be in there practicing with the JV and the varsity. And I just wasn't good enough. Yeah. But now as a sophomore, I got to play varsity, and that was you. So you just skipped JV then? Well, I, I, I kind of played in between. So this is a rule that I wish we had in Virginia. You could play four quarters a night. So I, I would I would split. I'd play two quarters of JV, two yeah. quarters of varsity. But if you kind of earned your way, I got to end up being on the varsity team. But it was kind of a dysfunctional team because the older guys didn't like each other. And so I kind of, but I sit back and I watched. I was like, oh, this is how bad teams play. Yeah. And it was my first experience of ever losing. We were like seven and 14. But then something that happened when I was about a ninth grader, our athletic director was friends with Sam Alford. Sam Alford was Steve Alford's father and his coach. Yeah. And he would come around the state and he showed us his workout. And uh, like, this is how you become a good shooter. So how old was, was Steve Alford? Steve Alford was about five years older than me. Okay. So, uh, so I had he was a, already playing, I guess. At he Indiana. was playing at Indiana. Yeah. But he was in our area. Like, they were on our schedule. So we played those teams. So as I was a kid, I would watch Steve Alford. But one of the games I remember most was when I was in the seventh grade, my, my seventh grade coach went and scouted for the head coach. And we went to Chrysler Fieldhouse, 9,300 people there, packed, and James Blackman, played at Marion, who ended up going to Kentucky and playing. And uh, Alford played for Newcastle, who went on to Indiana and played. And I sat beside Joby Hall. Joby Hall was the coach at Kentucky. Yeah. And uh, I he just happened to be – right? like, huh? He passed away not too long. Yeah, he did, just a little bit. Yeah. I saw that. Well, uh, I would go scout with my seventh-grade coach. He would always take me scouting with him to those games. And, and like, Alford had – like 48 points that night and Blackman had 46 and Alford, who was a 94% career free throw shooter, missed two free throws to lose the game. Really? Yes. And, and, uh, but, but Alford came when I was a freshman in high school and, and he did an exhibition on, uh, this is how you become a good shooter. And he he went through his drills. He he went through his workout and I realized, okay, you know, I used to think, Hey, you gotta go spend two hours or three hours or whatever. 
he went for like an hour and he worked his butt off. And uh, hard hours better than yes, out two hours. Quality over quantity. Yeah. And so I thought, okay, I can do this. And I just set out to become a good shooter. I wasn't very a great athlete, but I became a good shooter. And so and and uh, I liked football up until I always had asthma. I would always come home from football practice. I couldn't I'd wake up the next day, my eyes would be matted shut. I couldn't <laughs> breathe. And so baseball, there was just for me playing baseball, I never had enough time between the pitcher's man and home plate to decide whether to swing or not. I pretty <laughs> I used to predetermine it. Like, okay, I'm gonna swing yeah. this time or yeah, no, I'm not going to. Shane and I both play council yeah. baseball. Yeah. 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 So but basketball was kind of my niche. I, so I became a, a shooter and that's what I did all through high school. And uh, but I was lucky when I was a junior, we had a good team. And then when I was a senior, I, I, I got to go on and play a little bit in college. And but I played with two guys that went to D1 and a couple other really good players. And we, we, we were fortunate to beat like a number one team in the state at that time. And one thing that's cool about Indiana and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but isn't there like a an overall state tournament to where it used to be that way, but now it ain't. That's right. I love how it was. Yes. So when, and and that changed the last year I was a, I was a head coach in Indiana in 96 and there was a huge battle about that, but now it's class. And I, at that time, just at that time of all 50 States, Indiana had the highest revenue of postseason ticket revenues. They was first and Kentucky was second, but Indiana was twice as, biggest Kentucky. And so as far as the revenue that it took in, I don't know if that interest is still there, but uh, Indiana was for good or for bad. It it was a hotbed for high school basketball. And, uh, and, and there was just great traditions. I think I coaches, it was an honor. I remember when a coach would say my name as a player in like the newspaper article, I'm like, damn, Bill Harrell knows my name. You know, or or um, officials like there were certain officials that you know, oh man, this this guy's everybody knew him in the state. Yeah. The 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 best official, and I, I, I the best official when I the last year I was in Indiana, he was deaf. He couldn't hear. <laughs> that, that he was, yes, I, I, yes. I think I think there's something to that. But he was considered the best official, and his name was Norm Delf, but he was deaf and he couldn't. Yeah. And uh, maybe good. You could yeah. yell all you want, yeah. but he he was focused on the game. Just call the game. <laughs> yes. Probably the best official out there. But players and and a lot of traditions. One uh, one story you told me uh, uh, whenever we spoke about this before the podcast uh, was that you played against Matt Painter. Uh, talk a little bit about playing against him. Okay, Matt Painter played at Delta, which was our rival at that time. And uh, he was a year younger than I was. My senior year, we had a really good team. We was ranked in the state. And uh, we beat them by like 17 in February. And then then in Indiana, they called it a sectional, not a district. But it's the same idea. Yeah. And so we went to the sectional. We played Painter. And Painter was a 6'6 guard. He was a point guard. And he was smart. Uh, kind of lived a privileged life a little bit. But... Um, they got us. They got us in the sectional. And uh, so he was kind of a rival. And uh, he went on to Purdue. And, and he's, he really does a good job. I hate that he does a great job. But <laughs> but there's people that's asked me, 
like, how long did it take you to get over that? And I, I tell him, I'll let you know when it happens. So he's played at Purdue. He Very played at Purdue for Katie. Yeah, and now he's still coaching. And now he went back. Now he went to Southern Illinois, and then he, yeah. then he, uh, but he got in that coaching line, and and for some reason, they've had Indiana's number, and and he he puts together a good team. You know, if you look at his teams, he doesn't always have the best players. He's he he puts together a team. Yeah, and they fit, and regrettably, uh, uh, he's a pretty good coach. Yeah. You know. <laughs> um, so you know. After high school, uh, you said you did go play collegiately? After high school, I went to a school, and this is how uh, this is how crazy, Travis, I am about it. But I, went, I, I got recruited by NAI schools. And so there was a few in that state, like three or four, that I probably could have went to. And uh, – their, their schools, one of them's called Hanover. One of them was called Taylor. Taylor was really good. There's been some good coaches. The coach at Ohio State right now, Holtzman, came out of that um, Taylor line. And and there was a coach at Illinois named John Gross, who I was actually coached with. And he he was at Illinois for a while. He's now at Akron, Akron University. But they had an old coach from Ashland, Kentucky, named Paul Patterson. And he said – Aaron, I want you to come here and play at Taylor. And I said, oh, okay, well, good. You know, he, he's like, you know what we like about your game? I was like, no, why? He said, we really like the way you feed the post. I was like, <laughs> man, I don't want to go there and just feed the post. <laughs> but, you know, that, that was what he liked. But I ended up going to Grace College. It was a school up towards Chicago in northern Indiana. And I tell you why I went there, because I, I went and watched them. And I liked the way they warmed up. You know, I, I mean, I like the way these guys warm up. Yeah. I always watch teams warm up. Like, how are they? How are they warming up? Are they? Are they? Are they goofing around? Are they just going through two line laps and trying to dunk, miss dunks and trying to impress people in the stands? Yeah. Or are they really working at the game? Yeah. And so they I mean, worked at the game. I, I, you know, it's. But anyways, I went to Grace, and so uh, I played there for two years. My dad passed away. Uh, in that time. And I just, after a couple of years, I decided I wanted to start coaching because I always knew I wanted to coach. And so uh, I kind of decided when I was about a sophomore in high school was when I decided I was going to, going to coach. And so yeah. I kind of knew at that time and I just started coaching. So like you, you mentioned earlier, you know, you wanted to teach and coach uh, like at that moment too. Yeah. And like that was your degree. That's what you were getting your degree in was being a math teacher. Yes. I got a math te- I got a math degree and uh, started teaching and coaching. And uh, I was, I, I remember the moment when I decided I was going to coach, we were playing. I had a good, I got a good high school coach. His name was Mike Letterman. Great man. Uh, he played at the university of Florida, I think for Norm Sloan. He was, he was a, he was a good player. And we were, we were getting, as a sophomore on that bad team, we were getting ready to play an inner city school called Anderson Madison Heights. And he was probably right, but basically after his pregame talk, it was basically like, you're going to go out and lose this game. Yeah. <laughs> like, he ain't got a shot at winning this game. And I remember as a, as a 15, 16-year-old kid, as a sophomore, I'm like, oh, I believe we can win it. You know, I always thought, yeah, we can win it. And I thought, I can do better than that. Like, I can, I can give kids hope. You yeah. know, that was kind of what I thought. I thought. Now you got to be realistic and you got to tell them the truth, but you got to work. Yeah. And uh, so at that moment I said, I'm going to be a coach. And that was kind of the, that was kind of the time that set it off for me. 
So what was your first ever uh, coaching job then? Was it up in, after college, it was up in Indiana still? Yes. So I went to, uh, after, uh, I was still in college, but I was ready to do my student teaching. Um, I had it set up to where I um, could go back to my local high school and back at Jay County where I was from. And they, um, I was like a uh, substitute teacher I did my ba- uh, I did my uh, internship there for the first semester and then substituted the second semester and started coaching that freshman team. So what we, year would that have been? That would have been in 1992. 19. And so I was uh, I was the freshman coach. We practiced every day at six in the morning, and I loved it. <laughs> you know, and it was it was just great. And I used to I used to go scout like we would. I would go scout for the head coach on Fridays and Saturdays. We always played our games on Fridays and Saturdays. And, uh, and I, I, and I, and coaching was kind of in my blood. Like when I would go scout, I would, especially if I thought the guy was a good coach, I would sit like two rows behind the bench and just, what do he say in timeouts? What was he, what was his interaction with players? And, you know, what was being said, what was being done? Like what, you know, um, I just remember coaches, I've always kind of been fascinated, you know, with good coaches. That's that's you crazy that you were that young and that attentive and mm-hmm. you know trying to craft your uh, or, I re- you know what I'm trying to say well, work uh, on your craft and coaching. I remember going to Taylor University because it was pretty close and listen to Patterson. Now Patterson was in the bloodlines coaching bloodlines of Dick Bennett, so Dick Bennett was Tony Bennett's right. uh, dad. dad and a, and a good coach. And Dick Bennett was from up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So, like, he was – he would go to Vince Lombardi's football practices. But I would go to Paul Patterson's practice, and I would record everything he'd say. And I, I went to one of his practices once, and he said, get down in stance defensively like 125 times. Now, I think, okay. So, as a coach, I was like, okay, that's what you got to do. You got to tell him to get down in stance. So, as a young coach, I just tell him to get down stance all the time. And I don't know what's crazier, Travis, the fact that he told him that 125 times or that I recorded 125 times, but um, I would just pay attention to how good coaches coach the game. All right, so after you said you did the uh, freshman team, what became of your coaching career after that? Okay, so I was there at Jay County as a freshman coach for two years. And then we, we, I was lucky. I was fortunate because we had a good high school basketball coach named Jim Black who had went to college. He'd been successful. He went to Arkansas Little Rock for three years, and then he went to Lamar for two years, and he coached under a guy named Mike Newell. Well, Newell cheated. He got, he got caught for cheating. And back in those days, if you was on the coattails of somebody who cheated, you had to get out of the business. So he left college and came back to high school. He was about 41, and I was a young coach. And he came back to, to coach and was really good. And I got to coach under him. So I was then the JV coach for Coach Black. He kind of promoted me. He took, the, took advantage of the fact that I was 25 <laughs> and single, and we worked seven days a week. We were doing youth basketball on the weekends. We, we were scouting and doing all these things. But I learned a lot from him. And one thing he did, Coach Black, he, his first year, he had a bunch of kids with terrible attitudes. So he went to the superintendent and said, hey, I've got a two-year contract. I've only got a year left, but I need to cut all these seniors because they've got terrible attitudes. And so he said, I need a, a year, a rollover, 
on my contract and he got a year rollover and he cut all the seniors oh my God. and we were the outcast as the coaching staff coach black did it but we went one in 19 we went one in 19 through the season we, we played hard every game we didn't have experience but we'd get beat about 10 or 12. and at that time i was about 24 and if i would have been the head coach i think i would have lost them about 12 or 13 games into the season but coach black kept them going and playing hard and in the last game of the sectional, which was like the district tournament, we beat a team that was 20 and one in overtime really? and advanced to the regional. And that's when I thought, okay, anybody can coach the game when they're winning and they got good talent, but can you coach when you have no talent and you're just, you're, you're busting your butt just to get every possession. Yeah. And, and I learned like, okay, this is how you coach when you're losing. Yeah. And, and that's, that's why I think, you got to have that to have longevity in this business because it's tough and you're getting scrutinized. You're getting all this stuff, second guessed. And you know, at the end of the day, the kids just can't like the place a lot of times, but you're just trying to make progress and through all that, you have to turn out all the noise. So, but I I got through that experience. Well, then I got a head coaching job. uh, And, and it was, it was a lot of fun. We got better. And um, I've always, you know, Whenever you take a job over, the reason you're taking that job over is because it's not a very good job. Somebody's not probably worked the program and they've gotten tired. It's usually what happens. And so, um, uh, but I I coached there at Winchester one year before I came down here to uh, Southwest Virginia. So, you know, I think that's a question that a lot of people will be very interested to hear that don't know your background completely. How did you go from you know, Indiana hotbed of basketball to Southwest Virginia? Well, I'll say this. When I walked off the court in my final game, all right, so I was at Winchester. I had a team. I had a freshman on that team, and I made him I, – I told him before the season, I said his name was Derek. I said, Derek, you're good enough to play varsity, but you're going to have to play JV. And if you are undefeated – if you got that JV team undefeated by Christmas, I'm going to move you up to varsity. But if you're good enough to be a varsity player, you're going to have to make the JV team win yeah. or you're not good enough. And so he was good enough. And so we moved him up and all of a sudden our varsity team got better. So we were really improving when we played Richmond. And this was the fun part about being one class system. At Winchester, we had students, our enrollment was about 500. And we played in the in the sectional championship against Richmond and they had about 2,000 students. Yeah. And at halftime, the score was tied. And I thought, man, we're going to pull this off. And you're you're playing in the Tiernan Center, and there's about 6,500 people there. And but we lost at the end. I don't know. We lost about four or five. But we were really big underdogs and about pull it off. And I knew that I was done in Indiana. I was coming down here at that time, and I cried <laughs> from my bench to the locker room, knowing this is it because I was in the bed. And I'll tell you something else there at, at Winchester. We had open gyms my first year, and I learned this too. Uh, we had a group of eighth graders that loved the game. And I, I announced to the high school kids that we had open gym like at 6 o'clock on Tuesday. I didn't tell those eighth graders, but you know who the first ones was there? was those eighth graders. So if a kid wants to play, they're going to show up. Yeah. You know, so some of these people think the coach is responsible for all this communication stuff. If you want to play – you're going to be there. That was back before even as much communication. As yeah, there was. Yeah. yeah, there was. Those kids wanted to find out. Yeah. And so it's all in, in coaching. 
if you coach kids that love the game, you're going to have a good time. Yep. Now, if you're coaching kids that you got to pull teeth to be there and they're there because their mom and dad wants them there, not because they want to be there, you're going to find that out too. Oh, yeah. And it's like, it's like pulling teeth at a dentist's office. Yep. And so, uh, but I knew that I was leaving at that time and, and uh, I headed to Southwest Virginia. So what was like, how, like, what's the backstory of how you even decided to come down here? Like, My dad was from Wise. He was originally from okay. Wise. So in 1951, uh, they moved to Indiana. There was a lot of factory work. So the town I was raised in in Indiana had about 800 people. Well, about four or 500 of them was from Big Stone Gap, Norton, and Wise. <laughs> The whole town was like transplanted from yeah. this area. Yeah, that's how a lot of my family, you know, they actually moved up to Dayton, Ohio. Yes, like all kinds Dayton. Of this was Indiana, and then a lot of them went up to Detroit, Michigan because yep. of the uh, car factories. Yep. And so this was, there was a factory town. And, but I came back, like we had ties to this area and the churches that we went to were uh, rural churches and they were kind of going down and, I just felt like I needed to come back and support that. Like I felt like, okay, this has got to be the priority yeah. and to line everything up. Now the basketball part, I thought, oh, but when we came down here, basketball, whether you're in Indiana, New Mexico, Southwest Virginia or Hawaii or wherever, kids are the same about everywhere. And yeah. it's what you put into it. And they know if that coach is working for them or just getting a check. And so, it's the same in that respect. And, uh, and so when we came down here, uh, I didn't have a job. And so I, uh, I didn't know what I was really going to do. And so I ended up getting a job at Bulls Gap, Tennessee for a year. Coach seventh and eighth grade, I never forget. I, so in Indiana, I was a varsity coach. I had my own radio show, had all these perks and stuff and all this thing. First day I went to Bulls Gap, I was teaching seventh grade math. It was a Elementary school. So you living there too? Or? No, I was living in Kingsport. Oh, okay. And so I got an apartment in Kingsport, and a kid comes up to me and he says, "Hey, would you tie my shoes?" So I had to now get to tie his shoes. <laughs> I'm like, okay, it's going to be different. Yeah. And uh, but you know what? I, I've always I felt like I wanted to work just as hard with those seventh and eighth graders yeah. as I did in the varsity. So was you married this time? No, no, not married. And that's been a you know I've got a I've got a great wife, great family. And things has worked out. And yeah. so, uh, but I spent a year at Bulls Gap and then I was able to come to Avenue for four years. And I like that area. And, uh, and, and, uh, I, I coached under Sam Blevins. I was kind of watching Southwest Virginia and kind of seeing the lay of the land. And, and where so I, what year would have this, this have been at Avenue? Then? In Avenue, I think it would uh, say 96, 97. So, you know, we just, uh, the last episode we had Brad Nopels on. Yes. I mean, Southwest Virginia basketball was, at its peak, you're out saying, I mean, during the mid nineties. Uh, mm -hmm. so it, it at least was a very peak era for yeah. uh, basketball. Yeah. Like the, so I remember, uh, uh, when I came here and I, I, I looked at it and I thought, uh, I just seen some areas and, and, uh, and, and I said, okay, these about these three jobs, uh, these three jobs, I thought if they ever come open, I would try to try to apply for them. So you got at Abingdon in 97. What was your role there? I, I was the JV coach. Of course, they didn't really know me. And so um, uh, I coached JV and I loved it because uh, JV is one of the funnest levels to yes, coach. I agree. Uh, even maybe more so than varsity. You get a little bit more baggage with varsity. And, yep. 
and uh, parents and stuff sometimes think their kids need to be playing at Duke. And but at JV, they're just trying to get better. Yeah. And they they can't drive yet, you know. And, and yeah. so I remember, as a, especially as a young coach coaching JV, like if you work it, that that's the years they really can progress. That's when they make their best gains. That a freshman, eighth grade, tenth grade year. And uh, I've always thought that was one of the funnest levels to coach, JV. So you coached JV for how many years? I coached JV for four years, and then I coached girls for three years. And that was when it was in fall. So you had girls? I was the head girls coach. And uh, uh, so it was different. You know, I I didn't know. I I tried to do it the same the first year. The first year we went 5 and 17, and then we went 12 and 10, and then we went 17 and 5. So we got better, but I learned. So boys have to play good to feel good. The girls have to feel good to play good. Yeah. It's different. It's a different animal. I've never heard that uh, explanation of it. It's, it's true. Like, I, like I, I've always been like, we'll get between the lines. You just leave it. Everything's between the lines, you know. And But with the girls, okay, if, if something's going on, you got to find out what's going on before you can have a good practice. Yeah. And if something's bothering them, okay, let's talk about this. Let's figure it out. Yeah. Okay, let's go. Now we can move on. <laughs> you got to, you got, you got those, those are things you got to yeah. deal with. Yeah. Um, so you were at Abingdon, you know, you said for four years. And then um, I think a lot of people probably maybe just learning that about you actually. Um, so your first, your next coaching job uh, was at Castlewood, correct? Yes. And so then the Castlewood job came open. And, uh, and I applied, I seen that it had a good youth program. They used to have that great tournament. I've heard you talk about yeah. that in some of your other, uh, broadcasts, but, um, I, I could see that they had a good program buddy pool, uh, d- was there a lot of people forget maybe about buddy cause it's been such a long time, but him and Randy were there 35 years together. Now, buddy, how's he, he's the father of, father. of okay. Johnny and Randy. Okay. And, and uh, I remember meeting those guys that lived down in Damp that were just some good athletes, Doc Adams, Mo Hayes, Calvin Talford. They loved Buddy. And Buddy took, Buddy would get him a basketball and say, okay, you know, I want to take care of you. And, yeah. and they built a great basketball program. And Randy took and continued to work it. And uh, they had built up a great tradition. There. Yeah, I mean, Castlewood definitely had to be one of those jobs, like you said, that yeah. when it came up and you were like, yeah, that's – yeah, uh, where I want to be. Who was at Castlewood then before you, you was head coach? Randy was there. I think it was sixteen and nineteen. I don't know if Buddy was nineteen and Randy sixteen or vice versa. But then Dennis Price was there a year, and he went back to Lebanon. And okay. so I came to uh, Castlewood, and the cupboard was not bare. We had Grady Cream, and so Grady averaged about twenty eight points a game as a senior. And it's always nice. I always said it's nice to start out the game knowing you got. There's your, yeah, you got 30 points. Yeah. And then Grady was that way. If he was you on. Maybe. I, I, it sounds sort of familiar, but not. So that would have been what year? That was during the council heyday. That's how I was, I was getting yes. asked if you played. Yeah. So. so we started seeing like council, Hayesai, and over where you guys were from. And and so uh, and so I said, okay, these are teams I want to play. And Honecker, we always played Honecker because of the Russell County yeah. connection. And so they had some really good teams at that time. And uh, uh, at, at Castlewood, the, the rival was Twin Springs. And then when you get to the region, you looked at the Black Diamond 
and and then the LPD, and uh, and and uh, there was another one then too. I forget. We had the Cumberland. And, that was the three, I think. Was it those three? Cumberland yeah, that's right. Because it used to be six. Yep. You had to be in the top two yep. to move on. And so we was always eight. We were good enough. It was always us and Twin Springs. Now at, at that time though, we we had some good players there. And I spent seven years at Castlewood, but um, uh, we 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 had those battles with Twin Springs. Rye Cove got good because of Adam Hood, yep. and and it was kind of a heyday for the Cumberland at that time. And and so St. Paul had some pretty good teams. Coach Dameron, who's still coaching, did a good job with them, and uh, and and there were some good good quality teams. And so. Uh, um, you know, that, that was kind of the beginning of that. And it was some of the, like, I know Patrick Fisher, um, mm -hmm. we spoke about him on the phone. He's been with you uh, for a long time in different places. He played for you at Castlewood, right? Yes. He was the last four years. So the first three years you had uh, Grady Kring, a kid named Ricky Gibson. You had a, a, a we had Davin Phillips, John Hall, um, Jonathan Sires, the baseball coach here at Gate City, Brandon Talford, that was Calvin's yeah. uh, nephew um, for about three years. And, uh, and, then, uh, and then Patrick came on and, and uh, he, he was the best point guard when he was in the eighth grade. We just wasn't eligible yet. Yeah. And then when he came in as a ninth grader, we had uh, Drew Justice, uh, was a great player to coach because he was versatile. Yeah, uh, he's athletic. He's he was great. athletic. He he ended up with about uh, fourteen hundred points and about eight hundred rebounds. And if he had tried hard, he'd have doubled that. <laughs> um, but he he but he's doing really well now, you know. But he 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 uh, he had a lot of talent. And then we had a big kid named Brad McReynolds that played. And then the Carter uh, there was Drew and Travis Carter. Chris Smith, who, who coached yeah. uh, and was a good baseball player, but a good basketball player, and then then there were some their younger brothers was coming in behind him. So that was the group that we ended up. Probably that's who you played: Seth, Seth Justice, Justice yeah. Ryan Mead, yeah. and uh, Ryan knew how to play the game, and Justin Smith. Some of those yeah. younger brothers: Zach yeah. Bush. Yeah. Zach was a good yeah. player. Uh, there was a great, I want to mention this name. There was a great coach, and I think he would be one of the best coaches of anything if he ever wanted to be the head coach, he just never wanted to go that far with it, but he coached eighth grade and, and he could have done football, basketball, or baseball it was Mo Hayes. Mo played with Calvin and played at ETSU. Mo Hayes uh, was a, he, so he had him to the eighth grade. He, he taught PE. So about sixth grade, he knew who the, who the good kids were. And he knew the troublemakers were. So they really didn't get into the program. Yeah. <laughs> if they were troublemakers, so he, he was like feeding. He feed. was kind of our feeding system. Yeah. And so they got, we could get them sixth, seventh, eighth grade, and then they came to me. We always kept JV and varsity together, and that was one of the best setups we ever had. Yeah. And, and with Mo, Mo did such a good job with them. Those kids expected a game plan from a coach. But we started playing as Castlewood got better. We started improving. We wanted to go play council. I wanted to always. I wanted. To, I wanted to coach against Rick Goodman. I thought he was the best coach, and so I wanted to coach against him. And I wanted to see. Okay, Rick was like. Belichick, you know, he's going to try to take away what you do best. So I wanted to go, I want to go play him and say, okay, what, what are they trying to take away? I wanted to see what other people were thinking. I didn't so know. Was who, this with, uh, was this like maybe Brad in his senior year maybe? Or? No, Brad, 
it was later. Okay. So it was it was a little bit after probably council had their very best season, but they were still like that was a statement game if you could beat council. Yeah, probably still had DJ a, and Kent. Yes, DJ and Kent, and we, when when we finally beat them, I remember. Rick didn't take it as good. Like when we won, he or when he won, it was it was pretty good. He was pretty laid back and stuff. It seemed like, but then when we finally beat him, I think he got a technical. <laughs> it didn't go as good. So, but he was, was a great coach. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, you know what? You know, I think uh, back to those days, um, and you know, still today. But the Cumberland had so many great rivalries. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, you mentioned Twin Springs um, earlier about the rivalry there. Uh, you know, describe the Twin Springs Castlewood rivalry during that time. And what? we talked to Doc Reeves on the episode <laughs> earlier, uh-huh. and you know, like just describe some of the emotions with that. There is another side to that coin, and so with Twin Springs, uh, I'll say this it was two communities that were probably about exactly the same Castlewood and Twin Springs farming communities that was about 10 miles apart, yep. and uh, they were red, we were blue, and uh. It was only it was the only place where one time they got into it during the national anthem. Like they started yelling at each other during the national <laughs> anthem, and I, I remember uh, that national anthem thing. And where have I ended up coaching here? Because <laughs> uh, they were always bringing in foreign players, and we had a pretty good team. The others, yeah, it was fun for them because they they in a small school when you bring in a, a ringer, you know. It, it gets pretty, you know, yeah. it's tough to overcome. And we, we were building up some pretty good teams too. And they were taking some things away from us that we felt like we had earned. Yeah. So there's another side to that. So, yeah, we don't have to get into extreme detail about the, the uh, foreign exchange student. But, you know, from council, it was always like, you know, how good they were. And you were already frustrated because they were just so good. So it had to just burn yeah. <laughs> to be in that deep of a rivalry. When we got to the place uh, one year, I, I knew we was a little better than they were. And I didn't, they didn't have a foreign player. And then they brought in Ponce uh, like in January. Yeah. And that was our first district game. And so he just got off the plane and he comes over <laughs> to Castlewood and warms up. And I told my assistants, I said, I'm going to go down here and talk to Coach McCrary. You guys watch this guy and see see what he see what he's got. And I came back and I was like, man, he was drilling twenty five footers in the warm ups the whole time. And they beat us by like four. Yeah. And and McCrary, who's you got to get McCrary on one of these podcasts because oh, yeah. he's, he's one of the funniest. Uh, yeah. And I, I love McCrary, but at that time I was I wasn't in that great a mood after that loss. And <laughs> he shook my hand, and said, "So much for coaching." <laughs> So, uh, yes, uh, but you know, me and me and Coach McCurry have a good relationship, and I've just appreciated that he has stayed in it. But at one time, I, I, I had a quote in the paper one time. I was mad and a little younger, and probably a little uh, more green under the ear, yeah. behind the ears, than I am now. But uh, I, I said they was asking me, you know, we got beat by Twin Springs, and I said the kid from Siberia hit us killed us in the first half and the kid from Tennessee killed us in the second half <laughs> and they put it in the paper. So it was a heated rivalry. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I would go to twin Springs a couple of times. Uh, I went there to scout one time and, and they booed when I came in and they booed when I left. Really? And, awesome. and, and even, even they got new buses in Russell County. We had, we had nice new buses 
Uh, Those activity buses. Yeah, so it was poor people driving them, but it was nice <laughs> the buses. And I was driving the bus. We were going to Gate City to the team camp. This was in June. And on the way, and I always had to go on 71 through Nicholsville to yeah. get to Gate City. And I made a trip one summer going to Gate City, and I got I got mooned at the beginning of Nicholsville, and I got the, I got the finger at the end <laughs> in one trip. I was like, it was in June, so you know. But 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 by the end, I'll not go into like you said all the details. They quit getting foreign players, and there was a reason that they did. And uh, I'll say that. Yeah. All right, but it. Uh, Dockery was kind of by himself there towards the end, and uh, we got him pretty good. Yeah, 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 man, that, that's, that's some great stories. So, uh, you know, along with the Cumberland rivalry, was Twin Springs. Well, obviously, we know Twin Springs that environment playing in that yeah. gym, and it's still to this day one of the best environments around. Was there another gym in the Cumberland during that time that? you know, was just a, a ruckus environment that you loved playing at? Uh, well, the small gyms, I mean, it, it didn't matter, like I said, the, the size of the gym, if it's packed. St. Paul just had one side. Yeah. And that was fun. I mean, St. Paul and Castlewood had a unique uh, rivalry because uh, at Castlewood, they always said the SP stood for second place, you know, but, but Castlewood always pretty much dominated that rivalry. Uh, as far as wins and losses, but they still, I mean, it was just right beside each yeah, other. Yeah, five minutes. Yes. And so uh, those games, they would start showing up, you know, at four o'clock because there wasn't any seats. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, what I remember the first time I coached in that game, it was like these people are clapping just not just for their own team, they clap just as hard when the other team screws up. You yeah. know, they like that. <laughs> but, Twin Springs was good. Wright Cove had a good feel. It was an old barn. Yeah. And you go there and I play. Yes. Uh, we had, I remember playing a district championship game against Twin Springs at Wright Cove. Oh, God. And it wasn't a, it wasn't a particularly well-played game because everybody was pretty emotional. And uh, I, I remember I got a technical. It was a district, it was a district game. And I got a technical and, and uh, Junior Sires was officiating. And uh, he didn't want to throw me out. He was talking about, and I was still into it. And I remember uh, getting into the game and I already had a technical and I and it just went through my mind real quick. I can't leave the bench. So I actually crawled. I just crawled out on the court. You know, I was like, <laughs> and he, he, he ran over to me and he said, coach, I'm trying not to throw you out. Cause I know you want to coach in the region, but you're tempting me. <laughs> but, you know, I remember, uh, I think we won that game and uh, they carried one of our kids off and the newspaper guy said, was kind of disappointed because it was kind of a ruckus game. I said, this was our Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, this was, it meant just as much as if we were playing the Super Bowl. Yeah. And that was what made it fun. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but uh, those, those games uh, were fun. And then, and then the region for us at that time, we was always running the gate city. Gate city was always the, uh, 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 the, the tough team and, and they, they had some good players and uh, those were always challenges. Yeah. And, uh, so what was kind of your, some of your biggest successes at Castlewood, uh, during that seven year stretch that you were there? Well, um, we, we, we finally got, we finally got through the region and started making the state. Uh, we had a team, uh, it, it when, when Patrick 
Fisher was a junior. We really had all the pieces. We had a, a Brad McReynolds was about six five, and Drew was Drew Justice was about six three, and we had good guards. We could shoot it, and uh, we we went. Uh, we only lost one game. We went down into North Carolina at Christmas time and lost to a, a bigger school out of Charlotte. Um, and we'd only lost one game, and I think we was ranked one at that time in the state. And I and I remember thinking, man, we got a shot at this this year. And the last game of the year, we already had the district one, and Patrick tore his ACL. Oh, dang! Really? Against Irvington, who was, uh, you know, we were we were we were uh, a better team at that time, and and that one hurt. And it, well, that was the senior year. That was his junior, junior year. year. And so Patrick was our motor. Yeah. That made, and so we got through the region though. Uh, we got through the region, and in that in that region final, what I remember. Uh, was Patrick was our, our point guard. Ryan Mead, who could play pretty well, was a, a sophomore. And he was sick. I remember he was in the, it was in the hospital. So we didn't have a uh, – Drew Justice got us through the game. The whole backcourt was out. The whole backcourt was out. Drew Justice played point guard. He hadn't played there all year. And we got through it, though. We went and played James River in a state quarterfinal game, and they were undefeated. And uh, we only lost by four. And that was without Patrick. Yeah. And I really felt like if, if we'd have had him. Who'd you play in that region final again? Gate City. And you, did you lose? They beat us. Yeah. They beat us, so we had to play. Would that have been with McMurray? And yes. Yeah. You know, McMurray was somebody that I always appreciated. He, he beat us on a buzzer beater one time in a region game. And I remember, and this goes back to honoring the game. I, would, I, I remember going into our guys' uh, locker room after that game and saying, guys, you know, I hate we lost this game, but I'll say this, McMurray, that wasn't the first time he's made a buzzer beater win. He's he's done this in the gym countless times. Yeah. Like I um I, I've wrote a book and Neil Neil says he wants to read it. And I but I have got nine chapters. I got three to go. I don't know what yeah, I want to read it too. It's called Lessons from an Empty Gym. So as a kid, I used to go to an empty gym and that's where I learned the game. Yeah. And I've always appreciated, like McMurray, you didn't become that good of a shooter unless you spent countless yes. hours in an empty gym. Yep, exactly. And you got that. Shooters are not born. They're made. And uh, Neil, you know, he he's made himself what he is. Now, I've never, I've never, I didn't get to watch Neil when he played in high school. I just knowing about him. Yep. But um, I just appreciate guys. Yep. I, I, I appreciate them a lot more when they're with my team. Yeah. But I appreciate him even. Yeah, like, I respect uh, the game. You know, whenever I was able to uh, hit hit those shots in that game, like just being able to pass McMurray, he was always someone I looked up mm -hmm. to more than anybody because it wasn't a God – shooting is not a God-given task. No. In any capacity. No. You know, I don't think, it, you know, even a great shooter's kids, I don't think they grow up just to be a good shooter just because they're a mm -hmm. kid. Is, oh, a great shooter. It's just a craft you have to work at so and, much. And, and, Travis, shooting is like love. It covers a multitude of sins. <laughs> you you know, these, these one thing about council, they never had a football program. Yep. You know, and some of these guys would say, well, if he'd play football, that'd make him a better basketball player. Well, eh, you know, I've seen guys that run pretty fast down the football field, and sometimes it can help a little bit, but – um, well, you put a hand in their ball or you put a, a ball in their hand, you tell them to dribble, they kind of slow down a yes. little bit. Like you've yes. got to be able to – you've got to have skills to play the game. Yes, I think basketball – I think it's easier, and, you know, people may disagree, but I think it's easier to transport 
a great basketball player and put him on a football field and let him run than transport. If you can't dribble, yes. if you can't shoot, or you can't, you know, you don't have any footwork, like you're not going to be a very good basketball player. Amen 100%. Yeah. You, you got to – it is tough. Uh, like you, you – you in basketball, and you got to be good at it all. I mean, and I, I know I favor it, but you got to have those skills, but you also got to be in the greatest shape as far as you can't play basketball, not be in good condition. So you've got agilities and, and strength and you got to combine all that. And then at the same time, be able to pass, dribble and shoot. And um, uh, after you finished up at Castle, what kind of led to the transition of you ended up at uh, J.I. Burton? Well, uh, my family, uh, <laughs> I was getting uh, – uh, I had three small kids at that time and, and it was a pretty good pay raise. And, uh, I think it was a, I don't know, seven or $8,000 pay raise. And, and it was closer to some of the, uh, the churches that we were attending and stuff as well. But, um, Lee Brandon was the superintendent and, uh, he, he was the, he was the superintendent over there and he was my principal at Abingdon. And so I knew him and, uh, he, so Lane Brandon was the superintendent in Norton City. Yes, really. That's where he started. I was unaware of that. Yeah, and at that time he, uh, you know, administrators, they they get mad at at coaches a lot of time, but they hate it worse when they lose because they got to <laughs> deal with all that baggage, and so uh, you know, um, I, I got I got to cut. It was a good opportunity, and it was mainly for our family that we we. So were you living in Castlewood like during those times? I was living at Castlewood, but what I did was uh, Coach Wilson had been there for 40 years. He was kind of taking his last year victory lap, and I went to uh, – I went. I had a year where I didn't coach, and I went and got my master's degree. I kind of had time to do that. Oh, remember. so they, it was that kind of a – like they had asked you to come? And, yeah. Really? At that time. Yeah, yeah, and you were just around the program some? I, I wasn't really attached to the program for that one year. I, yeah. I, I went and, and got my master's degree, but I was teaching in the school. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. Mm -hmm. So uh, after, you know, Stan Wilson, that has to be crazy shoes to fill. <laughs> um, you know, talk about your first year then at J.R. Burton. It was uh, my first year there. We were three and two. We went to J.J. Kelly, which was, okay, that was a whole different – kind of rivalry yes. there was more hatred in that rivalry there was a little bit more hatred and, and there was uh, and um, uh, but it was the first time we'd ever play them and a fight broke out a fight broke out at midcourt and uh, three of my three really of our best players our, our center our point guard who was a pretty good player and and uh, a, a shooting guard all got thrown out and got thrown off the team and so that being said, we went, we were three and two at that time. We ended up three and 15. <laughs> and so it was tough. Yeah. It was tough. And we really, that program was in a place where showing up one time at practice, uh, being at practice, we, there was a lot of work to be done and uh, uh, there was a lot to do there. Yeah. And that, what year is this that you started? This would have been in 2002, three. Or, or was it? No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm thinking Castlewood. Yeah. It was 2009. Yeah. 2009 at that time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
you know, so at that time, all those little wise schools or not little wise schools, but yeah, not the combined wise schools anyway, they're still there. Like you mentioned, JJ Kelly, um, the LPD, you know, I spoke about it at length on this podcast. I think they had some of the best gyms. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, like, is there a crazier place to play than Norton at JJ Kelly? No, nah, I mean, just nah. wow. You know, uh, one of the best things that ever happened while I was at Norton was, I might have been after that first year. Uh, we still had to play each other because um, I think we was in the same district. But they started playing their games at the college at UVA Wise, and I was so glad because yeah. we didn't have to go to Kelly. Yeah, and that, that I thought that was a big home court advantage. Yeah. But in in Abin- in uh, Norton's gym. The, the the acoustics in there it was hard it was a hard gym to teach him because it was so loud yeah even in practice and yeah. i mean it, to to um but it didn't take a lot to really get loud in that gym and uh th- those old barns are really fun to uh that is play something games that, that you know like me and shane we talked about how loud the gyms are and how great that is but as a coach it is awful when you're trying to be in practice and the gyms are loud, like you said. Yeah. Like even like get messages across. Like if one ball's being bounced on the other, it going all over yeah. the place. Yeah. yeah. We would go if I was really going to teach a lot. I would schedule practices at the elementary school. Yeah. Yeah, I know we had to change our schedule for that, but if I wanted a good competitive practice, I would try to be playing at the high school. Yeah. You know because it it, it the sound of it's like okay you ever go to the Castlewood tournament that they used to have, you would go to the big gym. And it was like being in, in Hollywood or something. I mean, it was it was it was quiet. There was people weren't getting mad. You go to the small gym yes. game, and it was always tempered, people yeah. mad, getting yeah. torn out, and it's just the, the effects of it. Yeah, yeah. It's like as an official, uh, you know, I've offici- I've never officiated VHSL games, but I've officiated probably a thousand games in my life, of different yeah. levels. But that's always one of the first things I'm like, is it in like a little barnyard top gym? Yeah. <laughs> or is it in a big open gym? It just, I don't know what it is. It boils people's emotions. The the circumstances and the environment play a lot into the, <laughs> yeah. to the, to the whole process. But um, Norton, the LPD, what was great about it was every road trip was about 15 minutes. Yeah. I mean, it was, you weren't that far, but especially it was, where J.I. Burton, where it's that circle in Wise County. Yeah. I mean, you're just, yeah, webbed out everywhere close. Yeah, and all those gyms. I mean, yeah, uh, and rivalries, Appalachia, Powell Valley, all were great. And, yeah, and there was there was some built-in rivalries and uh, a lot of pride in hometowns. And and I heard Zach talk about the consolidation issue was going on at that time, and and uh, that was contentious, you know, for Wise County to to fight through because those those towns they had, I mean, sports was was a big part of their identity. Uh, I mean, if you go to Appalachian, if you say anything cross about Tom Turner, you know, you're going to, yeah. you're going to hear, hear about it. And, and they just love Tom Turner because he was their guy yeah. and that you can go to every community and, and there's people like that. Yeah. Um, so like you said, you had to work, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to say from the ground up at Burton when you took over, but there was a lot of, you know, details that you had to work through because you, you know, Burton's always a place you have athletes. Yeah. You know, and you just had to put in staples to grow the success there. So, talk about kind of maybe, you know, the, the approaches that you went through in order to have the success that you did at Burton, because we all know that you know the, the successes that you had. Well, we we um, um, I had some uh, really good athletes and some good kids, and I really felt like Norton 
was one of the most important coaching jobs I had because a lot of those kids, they really looked to their coach and I felt a responsibility, you know, to, uh, uh, being, you're as an important person, uh, to those kids. And, uh, uh, Irvin Beatty, uh, was a kid that was a really good athlete for us. And we, uh, I had a, I had a player, uh, I had a player. So, so one time we went deep into the football playoffs and, and I was like, I don't know. I mean, you, you, you can schedule those games later and then you're playing, trying to play all these games in January when you got snow and all that stuff. So I said, okay, we're just going to play the schedule. So we, we got the kids like on a Monday and we went and played chill high on Tuesday. And so we had better athletes and we, we went and played chill high and they were pretty good and we could get to the bucket. We were pretty good, but they, we get, uh, we get to the free throw line. So we, we got beat by four points. Uh, Snodgrass might've been coaching. I think he was, and we got beat like four points, but it was like 12 out of 34 from the free throw line. You know, we just <laughs> like, we, and so it was getting towards the end. Of, yeah. So we just hadn't shot. Yeah. So we went to, I had a good athlete named Mackenzie Blair and Mackenzie was pretty raw, but he's about six, three or six, four. And he was at the free throw line lining up. And I said, Mackenzie, get this rebound. Let's go get this rebound. And he, uh, he went and got it. And I was like, okay, so all I got to do is just put it in his head to get the rebound and he can do it. And on the bus ride home, I, we were getting ready to play Kelly the next game. I said, McKenzie, uh, he worked at Dairy Queen. I said, McKenzie, I'm going to tell you something. If you can get 25 rebounds this next game, I'll buy you a blizzard at Dairy Queen. And he said, coach, I got one better. I said, well, okay, what is it? He said, if I get 25 rebounds, you buy everybody else on the team a blizzard. I said, that's a great deal. And and you know how many rebounds he got against Kelly the next game? What? 32. Really? Yeah, 32 <laughs> rebounds. I, I thought it might be a record. I think it's like 54. I mean, he's not is more. And you're talking about a state record? Yeah. It probably is a Burton record. I'm sure it is a Burton record. Yes, he had 32 rebounds. and uh, But you ran into kids like that. They were – they, they were really sold out for the team, but that was a fun team to coach because we could play defense at a, at a pretty good level. I thought yeah. uh, we were a little raw offensively at times, but that team made it to the final four. Uh, we, we, we pulled an upset. So what year was that? Uh, probably 13 and 14. Yeah. And uh, we got to the final four. We, we went down to Salem civic center and beat, Bland, I think they had three one thousand point scores, and we locked so them down. So was Irvin Beatty on that team? Irvin Beatty was a Beatty. junior on that. Team. Yeah, I remember. I, I want to say that's the first time I ever actually met you. Was it that same year that we played? Probably you all at UVA. Yes, in yeah. the region. Yeah, was you was on that? Team. Yeah, I was yes. on the staff. Yes. Uh, okay, yeah. you was on that staff. Yeah. yeah, that was the that was the beginning of the region. Yeah, that was back when they had the. Uh, the committee that appointed the seating. Yeah. Was <laughs> yeah. So that was, yeah. We, I don't know why we played that game at UVA Wise, but I remember it was one of those things we were happy. We were like, well, we'd much rather go play them at UVA Wise in, in Burton's gym. Because we had a flood. Yes. On, like we had a flood on our gym floor. The water got underneath. That's how we got a new gym floor. Yeah. And people was like, oh, it's going to, I said, no, it's going to be a good thing. We're going to get a new gym floor out of this. Yeah. But we, we went to UVA Wise and played that game. And the big arenas kind of helped that team because we weren't very good shooters. And I always thought that had a, a bigger effect on good shooters to play in a big yeah. arena. We were and, we were relying on our shooting. Yes, yes. And uh, 
But we went to the Salem Civic Center, hit a last-second shot, got the Final Four, and, and ran into those Alta Vista teams. I was a kid. He's playing for the Kansas City Chiefs. Juan Thornhill. Yeah. Juan Thornhill. I told Coach Carlero, at that time they were like freshmen and sophomores. And we were before the game, I was like, Coach, I'm glad you brought your JV team here. They're playing this Final Four game. But <laughs> they beat us, and uh, we couldn't score against them very well. But but that was neat. We got the Final Four, and then uh, – and then we had another group come through, uh, and we had some good size at one time. But East Side, East Side had some great players. Uh, Luke Lawson, uh, that's at UNC yeah. Asheville, and Powers was a good shooter. So and at they, that point, you had transitioned from the LPD, which was dissolved, right? Yes, the we went into the Cumberland. Yeah, and uh, Coach Dameron did a great job there at East Side, and they always played hard. And and we uh, uh, we by the by my final year there at Burton, we got back to the final four, but we ran into East Side six times in one season. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think they beat us four. We beat them twice. Now, is that – that's a question I had. Was your son um, – mm-hmm. what's your son's Caleb question? Williams. Caleb Williams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was he on that team? He was on that team. He, he, uh, he got to play as a freshman. He kind of was a backup on that. And then he got to play for three years. And uh, he played with a teammate named Houston Thacker that yeah. was pretty good. Yeah, he, he man, he was scored. Like he, was he the one who used to always wear like an arm sleeve or something? Oh, he had tattoos. Yeah, tattoos. Yeah, he got tattoos. Yeah. You know what happened? I think his his girlfriend talked him into getting a small tattoo, and so uh, he got a small tattoo. And then about a week later, she broke up with him. So he got <laughs> he got that one covered, and then he got one more to cover, and then he had a whole sleeve. I'm like, oh, at least. But uh, 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 we were waiting on a point guard, and that was Trevor Culberson. If you remember Trevor, yeah. he did had a good career, yeah. and he understood the game. But that was a fun team. They had great chemistry. We didn't have a lot of size, but they played really hard. Yeah. Your son always loved watching him play. He just he played the game hard. Yeah, he, he just was smart. Yeah, there's no in between. He 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 got so mad one time at a. He would get so into it, and there was a couple times. One time at uh, at a team camp. We were playing a South Carolina team that had won a state championship, had good athletes, but I had they, our, our guys were pretty good at like ball faking and getting leverage and stuff. And Caleb busted his tooth out diving for a loose ball in in Spartanburg, South Carolina, in June, and and we were looking for that his tooth, and he found it, and he just threw it threw it to the side. I said, "Let's go." <laughs> so he and those guys was like, "This guy's crazy," and he was a little bit crazy, but. Then we went to Thomas Walker one time, and a fan got on to him, and a player got on to him, and and they and and uh, coach called a timeout, and he was headed to their uh, huddle, and and Coach Fisher was our assistant. He he intercepted Caleb, and he's like, "What are you doing?" And Caleb was like, "I really don't know what I'm doing." <laughs> you know, but he he had another gear that he would get yeah. to, but he was intense. Um, something that you know, I may be biased, Shane. I don't know how you feel, but I always feel like that. Jared Burton, I'm a Raiders fan. You're a Raiders fan, right. and I, I just love the the marketing. Everything they do at Burton is just cool. I think uh-huh. you know, the the black and orange. Like mm-hmm. I guess it, I'm a rivalry guy. I don't like Honeacre. Whenever I'm <laughs> playing, you know, whenever uh-huh. I'm playing, I don't like Honeacre, the orange and black. But whenever I see it on Norton, I'm like, dude, that looks awesome. And you see that Raiders logo, <clears> and then I think something that they really done and I, I don't know if this is something that you was there whenever you were there but the city like yeah. they put that on their jerseys and it's even on the court right yeah i think that's just a very cool you know thing yeah. to, to create pride in the community 
that it was it was a sense of pride because it was independent school system and when i was at norton i was the principal for six years but um i was the transportation director and I substituted when math teachers was so out. So you were the and, guy calling an hour delay? Or... Nah, well, I was part of it. And, <laughs> uh, and it, it got a little political. It was, it was a small place, and so it got a little political. And and so finally they said, you got to do one or the other. And I, I, I like coaching. You know, I mean, that's where I feel like I impact yeah. kids. And so and you were principal for how long? Six years. Six years. And I was in administration seven. But um, um, it it was, uh, it was, um, it, it was a lot of pride as far as it, like we can do this on our own. You know, you kind of yeah. have that sense of pride and, yeah. and you're doing it for the small school and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Cause I mean, Jabbert's probably, especially with all the consolidations, it has to be one of the smallest schools in the state now. Yeah. Probably enrollment wise. I think it is. It was, it 300 was, or yeah. And, and, and you're talking about the whole division about 800, yeah. 800 yeah. kids. And uh, everybody knows everybody, yep. and everybody's related. Yeah, um, yep. you know that's something that uh, uh, even still, you know, after after you left, like Jay Burton, when you played them for the past, well, ever since I can remember, Shane, if you're playing Jay Burton, you know it's gonna be a tough game. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I talk about Twin Springs being one of the most competitive uh, programs around, but Jay Burton has to be up there too, as far as you know. When's the last time they had an awful year? Mm-hmm. You know, have they? <laughs> well, you we've know, awful year. No, it's been it's been pretty good for a while, yeah. and and uh, their team's doing really well this year. Yeah. And uh, they got one left that I coach, Zach Campbell. Yeah, and uh, he's a good shooter. He had he's had two ACL tears, and through his career, but uh, uh, his, his dad, Doc Campbell, was a, is a was a good player at Lee, and uh, and uh, uh, you know it's, it's good to see those kids uh, doing well. Um, you know, my principal now that I work for in Washington County, uh, Scott Key. Yes. He was, he was with you over at North yes. for a while. He speaks really highly of you, and mm-hmm. he's told me all kinds of stories. Uh, uh, he told me one story about uh, uh, something about a game you all were playing. Uh, I forgot who it was against, but uh, maybe you caught a timeout or something late because you were mad or something. <laughs> he was thinking, he's like, come on, Coach Williams. He's like, we got to get to the house. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. You, uh, like one of those coaches' timeouts whenever you do it just to put it, send a message or something. Yes. When I was, when I, you know, that was, that was going back to like honoring the game. I remember when I, when I coached freshmen, uh, back, back when I first started coaching freshmen, we would play the A game first and then we would have a B game. And so your your kids that was on the bench, on the freshman, didn't play. Mm-hmm. And so you'd have these referees, and uh, they was just they would give you a pretty good effort in the A game, but then the B game they were just trying to get through it. That's when I would always get a technical. I would always be mad. I'd be like, these kids are working just as hard as those yeah. other kids. And uh, um, but you know I always felt like, and I learned this from Coach Black. In coaching, you've got to kind of go against the way you feel. Like when you're, when your team's winning, the reward is winning. You can get on them pretty good. And when your team's losing, you got to give you got to give that encouragement. And uh, I always felt like, like when when uh, when when you're in a tough game, maybe it's mop up minutes, but you got to coach 32 minutes, and you got to expect your players to yeah. do it. Like I'm going to coach. I, I try to coach for those kids, yep. 
I don't want to give one set of kids one effort and another set of kids another effort. It's like, if we're going to coach, we're going to, we're going to play this game as well as we can. Yeah, it's hard. You know, as a coach, I, something I always tried to do whenever I was at Patrick Henry is, you know, we took some beatings. And I, I always wanted to be standing up and be coaching as hard as I could, even if there's seven seconds to go. Because if you saw your player just Love. walk back on defense, yes. you're going to say something to them. Yes. So it's one of those things to try to hold yourself accountable. That's right. And not pout. That's or, right. Or, you know. And, and, and it's tough to do sometimes. I, I – uh, yeah, you've got to, you've got to, you might be feeling one way inside and people might expect you to react, but you've, you've got to, you've got to be the face of that team of what that, I heard a coach say one time, like between when you walk from your bench to the locker room, you got to ask yourself, what face does your team need to see? Sometimes they need to see some compassion. Sometimes they need encouragement. Sometimes they need a a browbeat. Yeah. I mean, they, they, you got, but you got to you got to be ready to give them what they need. You don't always get it right. Uh, it's funny you talk about standing up. I've been that way too. But yesterday in our game, we had a game yesterday, and uh, we weren't making free throws. And I was like, Lance, I'm going to sit down. I'm just going to sit down. Maybe it'll give us some luck. Maybe we'll make a free throw if I'm sitting down. And we made two free throws. And then I said, I'm just going to sit. And we played better. We outscored by 14 in the fourth quarter. So I just said, and I don't think it had anything to do with it. But Travis, one time when I first started coaching, I thought my team wasn't playing cocky enough. I started chewing gum. So I started acting real cocky and chewing gum just because I thought that's what the team needed. You know, and we did go on a winning streak, but I don't think that had anything to do with yeah. it. But, you know, you just, you're trying to get what you can out of the kids. Yeah. That's, that reminded me of uh, Matt Snodgrass saying whenever he wore that. Orange jumps. Yeah. <laughs> he said he's trying to give any little ale. He said right, it went right. to the opposite, though, and they yeah. didn't win during those times. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, something that I think you can definitely say throughout your career is, you know, anytime you're ready to leave somewhere, if you can leave that place better than when you started, you know, you have to you have to be proud, right? And, um, you know, we'll talk here. You left Jai Burton in 2019. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, um, talk just as a summary about the pride that you had and what you built there. I was really proud of those last uh, teams there. And um, and so uh, at that time at, at Burton, like I, I think a job, I, I, Coach Black taught me this. He said, when you talk about where you want to coach, when you when you decide to coach, a good job is when you have support of the administration. A bad job is when you don't have support for the administration. And that's what makes a good job or a bad job. Because if you have support of the administration, you can you can build it. And if you don't, it's it's yeah. pretty tough. And so one thing I've been proud of is that after I left Castlewood, they went to the final four the next couple of years. After I left Burton, they went to the Final Four last year, and I think they won the region. Uh, maybe it's two years after. Yeah. And uh, and so, Coach Knight used to say this all the time. He'd say everybody wants every. He said the most overrated thing that everybody talks about is the will to win. Everybody's got to win. No, who has ever started a game not wanting to win? We all want to win, but he said what it takes is the will to prepare to win. Yeah. And so if I leave a program, I hope those kids, at least that I have had, or maybe in the youth program and coming up, have a appreciation for the will to win. Yeah. And that goes back to those 
the empty gym. That's where you, that's where you build the team. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's very awesome. You know, that's the podcast is hearing about all your philosophies and stuff. It, it's awesome. Um, so you, 2019, uh, your son had graduated at that point and you, you lost, I guess, a couple, um, heavy hitters from that team. What was the transition like, uh, and decision about going leaving and that had to be tough and uh it, leaving wasn't tough where i was going to go to so I, I i knew that i knew that i was ready to go on but i didn't know if i was going to keep coaching actually and uh uh caleb and houston they were after their sophomore year i'd always seen this stuff about pgc camp and it was always really expensive I thought, I want to try this. And so I took them to it, fell in That's love. Point with guard it. camp. Point guard camp by Dick DiVenzio. He was a Duke guard. And they've, it's now a national company. They're all over the country. And I went to it. It was fantastic. I took 35 pages of notes in one week. And so do the kids. It's in the classroom and it's on the court. And they really teach the game a great way. And yeah. so uh, I fell in love with that. Then, so then with Caleb Houston, I took that first year. Well, then I was able to take five kids from Norton the second year. And we all of a sudden won a region. We had a six foot, we had a five eleven center and a six foot four man, and and a sophomore uh, point guard and a freshman shooting guard, Zach Campbell. But we won the region, and uh, well, this is a special thing to do. And it was really not only just good for them as players, but it was really good as people too. I've seen a transformation, and 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 my son still uses it in college, and it and it helps him in leadership qualities. So I've gotten really attached to that program and gotten to know those people pretty good. And I thought, okay, uh, this is good. Kids need this stuff. They need it. They need it. Like, I think one of the best skills that you can teach a kid, we talked about dribbling, passing, shooting, but also just how to compete. You've got to compete. It's got, you've got to compete. It's a, it's, uh, like if there's a loose ball, who's going to get it? <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, that's how you score. You got to have the ball. And so we got to compete. There's going to be lives that are going to have to compete or, and it's not going to be easy. And so I, I thought, okay, this is good. This is, this is good stuff. And I think kids still need it. I've probably got about eight years left, you know, at that time in, in my, uh, professional career. And, and so I kind of thought, okay, about two or three places, I thought, okay, if these jobs open up. And Abedin came to come open, and I thought there was always a lot of potential there. And at that time, Abedin's basketball program had had, had had some subpar years, and I thought it needed some stability, and I might be able to supply that. And so I thought it was a good fit for both of us. I thought it was a good bit fit for Abedin, good fit for me. And so uh, I didn't realize how good it was when I got over here. And those kids – those kids that, that we got a hold of at Abner, I could tell right away they was a pretty good group of kids. And um, and and they were smart. They had a good work ethic. Uh, they were competitive. They had been through some tough years as they were younger, but they had been humbled to where they was ready to go. And they was kind of prepared to win. They were ready. And the first year we kind of got through it. We went 14 and 13, but we won a region game. Went down to Christiansburg and won a region game. I thought that so was So this big. would have been what, 2019? 2019. Then the next year, COVID hit, but we could get in the gym. It was an interesting year. We didn't play any games, but we did a lot of ton of skill work, just skill development, shooting. And those kids were wanting to do stuff because they, they were wanting to get out of the house. 
and they were dedicated to it. And, uh, and there was some competition from within that was healthy. And uh, it was like, okay, if, if, if you don't come to skill development, somebody else will, you know? And, yeah. and so that competition, that's one thing that's tough at a small school. You go from Norton 300 kids to average yes. 900. Or- yeah, yeah. And we, we had that. And so uh, lo and behold, we went to the state championship game and lost by a possession. So that was a unique year. But, you know, uh, that team was so – they were so good, co- cohesive group and good kids to coach. I, one thing about the state championship run that we made, we didn't – we got beat at the end. But um, on that team, we went to the banquet at the end of the year I didn't hand out one trophy, not one award. It was like the reward was being on the team. Yeah, that's it, awesome. it was it was great. I mean, we had it was so fun to be a part of that team. And those kids, I think they're going to be successful. I mean, uh, and and uh, and uh, that was a uh, it's it's been it's been good. Yeah. So you know, overall, you know, like you've been talking about the success that you've had at Abby, and I think you've. Uh, you know, really just set your set a staple there of success. And, you know, last year uh, in that state title game, you know, you spoke about had to be pretty unique getting to play that game at home, right? Yes. And that it was, was a close game, weren't it? It was three points. We yeah. had a shot at the end. We got a good look at, at a three. And we got an offensive rebound. And we got another shot at three. It was a little bit tougher. But uh, it's, it, it, was, it was tough to come that close. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Lance Riesbeck, uh, mm-hmm. he's a, a good friend of mine and yours, and he's, yeah. Shane, and he's on your staff. What's it like having Lance? Lance these? is a great basketball guy. He, he he loves the game, great competitor, and uh, he still wears a pair of shorts under his pants in case a game might break out. <laughs> That's the Rasnick style. Oh, yeah, yeah, he, he loves the game. He loves to play. I think he still wishes he could play because he's like every practice. He's like, you need another one, you know, you want another one. And uh, but he's he's a he's a good basketball. That's guy. why I originally started coaching. I think was as an assistant, just so I could scrimmage and practice. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what Lance is there for. Uh, you know, there, there's book. three things to do. You can either coach, you can officiate, or you can play. And the funnest by far is playing. Oh, yeah. I've done all three. Yes, the funnest uh, is playing. Officiating is by far the worst. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, so a question that, you know, I always ask basically everybody that comes on the podcast, uh, you know, you've been in Southwest Virginia coaching now for um, 20 years, I guess, right? Uh, a little over 20 or well over 20 years, 25 years now, I guess. Uh, who is the best team that you've ever coached against or seen? Two stand out. Uh, when I was at Castlewood, Twin Valley at that time, uh, had a, a good youth program and um, uh, Lester, Jeremiah Lester, Matthew Bowen had a big guy. They had a good guard, Short Ridge, and, uh, and Kent Goodman. Yep. They were tough. Um, you know, the, I always thought the council teams was well coached. Rick did a great job. Gate City was always tough. Uh, the year they had uh, Hackney and Ty Lee and, uh, and another shooter. That's, I'm forgetting about. And I would go. I would go. I would go watch those teams. Like, hey, we got to guard all these guys. So, like, who do we not have to guard? Because, you know, we had to. We had to throw up some kind of defense that we thought could stop them. But one of the one of the toughest teams we played against at Burton, we drew in the region, was a Radford team. 
Cormany is a great coach. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, they had a Quentin Morton uh, that, that was a really good player for them. And I, we got beat 72 to 52, and I was so proud. <laughs> I was, I that's about it. I had a kid, uh, Austin Johnson there at, at Norton, that he had the game of his life. He had 26, and he got them all on his own, like yeah. off the dribble and pull-up jumpers. And if he wouldn't have had that, it wouldn't have been that close. <laughs> and I told our guys, I said, I think that, we just played the state champion. And, and that 20-point game was about as close as anybody played it. And they were really tough. They had a kid that came uh, from Australia or something. It was a 6'6 trail guy that could hit shots. And, but um, uh, Union was really tough last year. Um, yeah. They had a lot of good pieces. And, and uh, you know. They, How did you all play? We split them last split. year. Yeah. We split. They beat us at their place. We played on a Saturday at their place. They beat us by about 12. And then we played them on Monday and we beat them by about the did same. You were both, did, didn't you both play the state championship game the same day last year? We played on Saturday. They played on Sunday. Okay. Yeah. Because of weather, I think, or yeah. something to alter the schedule a little bit, but that was good. I mean, that we got to play them and, and uh, Bunch is a great player. You know, yeah. he Bunch, uh, who's having a great year this year, we play him this Friday. Um, he, he, he guarded our point guard who was, Jake Thacker, a good point guard. And he also could score inside on, on Ramsey, who's a seven-footer. And so he could do both of those things. I think yeah. he's a unique athlete. Yeah, he's very he's very good for sure. And then that leads me to my other question. Who is the best player that you've coached against in your time down here in South West Virginia? Mm. Best player. Gosh, yes. Uh, i tell you who was scary in big situations was Dockery. Dockery was a scary player. But i got to give it to Adam Hood. Adam Hood, uh, I would watch, I remember a moment when Patrick Fisher was guarding Adam Hood, and I think Adam was a little bit older, but Adam came across half court and stopped and pulled up and hit a jump shot. Yeah. And I said, Patrick, you ain't guarding him like you need to. And he looked at me like, I'm a, I said, no, it ain't good enough. Yeah, it's just Adam, not good. Man, Hood is, he could get a, get he, did a, he did a lot of that on his own. Reagan yeah. was a great, Reagan Mullins was a great coach. Uh, and they played hard, but Hood, you go watch him play. He's, he was 60, 70% of their offense. So we were putting 60% or 70% of our defense against him. Adam Hood was a great player and he was tough. And I know I'm leaving some out, but, uh, did you ever uh, coach against Mac? uh, Yes, I coached against Mac and thank God he was a freshman. He he might've even only been in the eighth grade, but I was like, gosh, Scotty, where'd you get this guy? He said, he's going to have a great career. And he had like 21 in the scrimmage. He had a decent career. He He had a decent career and he's still having a good career. But you know, we all pull for Mac because he's, he's representing Southwest Virginia and the pros now. And, 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 and you know what I appreciate about Mac going back to McMurray, uh, who was another great player, but Mac worked. You know, he's worked. He's become a player. He's not just God-given. He's got good athletic ability. Yeah. But I appreciate the fact how hard he's worked at it. And I just like players that, uh, you know, I've always appreciated those guys. Yeah, you don't get to the league by, by not putting no, in. No, Especially no. when you're his size. I mean, he's not a gigantic player by any means. You know, Coach Young, we go down there in Spartanburg, and he always loved Southwest Virginia. He always took care of us. we go to Wofford. Yeah. And Coach Young, who's now at Virginia Tech, He'd say, he'd say, he was recruiting Mac. And I said, uh, Coach Young, does it bother you that Mac don't play defense? And he said, I've never noticed. Because <laughs> he's putting up 40 points, yeah. you know. But, you know, that, 
and Zach Irvin, when he played, you know, he he come down transition and pull up and hit a jumper. Yeah, yeah he was good in transition. Yeah, I noticed you're wearing your Wofford polo, and we're, you know, with our Showtime team, we partnered with Wofford last year. Don't we? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we uh, got to go down there and uh, join in all those guys and stuff. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Coach, uh, you know, I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, you know, as I spoke to you on the phone, and I, I've told you personally, but, you know, I, I respect you as a coach as much as uh, anybody in Southwest Virginia, you know, um, for the past decade or so that I've known you, you know, you know, when you play your teams that they're going to play hard, they're going to play smart. And, you know, I think you can tell by the three um, head coaching jobs that you've had down in Southwest Virginia that you leave places better than when you, you started there. You know, I think that says a lot about you as a coach and, you know, even more so, I think you're that good of a guy too. And, uh, you know, I just want to, Tell you that my gratitude, as much as I love the game and stuff, uh, how much it means to our area. Shame. Yeah, I think uh, this was another interesting listen to because it was more of a kind of the coaching clinic perspective that we've heard a lot of guys. So I always enjoy hearing those styles of interviews. But uh, like Travis said, I, I've never, you know, we've never personally met before. Yeah. And but I've always, you know, I've knew knew where you were at and how you've done. So uh, this is a another good listen. I appreciate the kind words. Thank you. Um, so, you know, the rest of the season, you got, what, just a handful of games? Well, I guess a lot of games probably jam-packed into the next couple of weeks with snow and COVID, right? Yeah, they've, uh, about the, about on our schedule, the only thing it means is just a rough estimate. <laughs> on the schedule, I mean, it's been – Yeah, it is. It, it's, it's, it's like we're going to play this game sometime. <laughs> yeah, uh, but we, we got a lot of games, but I'm excited about this team. Uh, current team because I think we're getting better. We got a freshman point guard, and he's got all the tools. He's just got to get the experience, and he's growing. Yeah. And so that's always exciting to watch. Yeah, and playing in the Mountain Seven, you don't really have too many easy knots. No, it's a, it's a good league, and I think it prepares us for the region. Uh, Roanoke area is a good. It's where we go to the region, and, and there's some good basketball up there. And uh, and but the Mountain Seven gets us ready. Yeah. Well, Coach, uh, again, appreciate you coming on. Uh, everybody, that was Coach Aaron Williams on episode 12 of the podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Be looking out for episode 13 coming out soon. Thanks.